Welcome to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and yes, even joy. Stories that will help us live well while we're waiting to see our children in heaven one day. We pray that these stories will be an encouragement to you as you walk this road of grief. I am so excited to have another wonderful couple join me on the podcast today. Rex and Mary Jones are the parents of Zach and Tori, and they're just a few months behind us on this bereaved parent journey. We met them for the first time not long after Zach went to heaven, and we instantly bonded because of our love for our children and our mutual love of the Lord. We've been blessed to get to know them and to call them our friends, and I'm so pleased to welcome them to the podcast today. Well, Jill, we just wanted to start off by just thanking you for this opportunity for us to, you know, we love getting to brag on God. And this has been, this whole experience has just been one thing after another where we've been able to do that. Of course, secondly, we love getting to talk about our son, Zach. So thank you so very much. Thank you. Yeah, those are two two of your favorite topics, aren't they? They sure are. Absolutely. So let's get started by giving you all an opportunity to tell us a little bit about yourselves. I know you've recently had some pretty big life changes. Tell us about what you used to do and what you're doing now. Well, Jill, I spent uh, over 39 years in the military and miss it terribly. And then I had 27 years in the Federal Bureau of Prisons as a staff member, not an inmate. And then Mary was uh, the library coordinator at East Arkansas Community College. And we both retired at the same time uh, in 2017. And life has been phenomenal since then. Uh, We've traveled to Thailand to see my brother. But as far as, uh, and and this is kind of funny, like I went from commanding over 2,000 troops. Now I walk the dog and pick up poop because of the HOA in this neighborhood. As far as life changes, uh, retirement, and then one year later, uh, Willow, our beautiful granddaughter, was born. And then a year after that, just this past December, uh, we recently relocated to Arizona, where we kind of started all this uh, many, many years ago in 1982. So, Wow. Yeah. Y'all have had a lot going on over the last few years. Yes. Lots of good things. Yes. So how did the two of you meet? Talk about your dating years a little bit. Well, Rex and I met. My dad was in the military, so he was in the Air Force for 33 years. And he was, at the time I was in high school, he was stationed in Kadena Air Force Base, Okinawa, Japan. Uh, I loved it. Obviously, I am, you can't tell because this is a podcast, but I am half Japanese. So anyway, it was a, just a wonderful time in my life. And um, I had been attending Carson Newman College in East Tennessee. And it was my so- second semester of my sophomore year. And I was very homesick. My parents were still in Okinawa. So I had asked them, you know, can I please return to Okinawa? And they were like, sure. So I flew back and I had uh, been attending a uh, Lottie Moon sponsored church in Okinawa when I was in high school. So, of course, that was just automatic that I would go back to that church. And I was one of the little goody two shoes. So I was, of course, sitting on the second pew next to the pastor's son when in came this other 
military person? Well, you know, there's always two sides to the story, Jill. So I was sitting on the back row. Of course you were. And she actually walked in and went down to the second pew. And I literally said out loud, I'm going to marry that chick. And this girl sitting directly in front of me turned around and said, what did you say? And I said, I'm going to marry that chick. And she said, I don't think so. That's my sister. And she'll have nothing to do with you. Uh Like game on. So I started my heavy pursuit of Mary. And probably about 20 something days later, January the 17th of 1981, um, we had our first date. And it was like we'd known each other all our life. We met. We just connected. Uh, Sadly, our, our dating experience was very short because... Uh, we only got to date for six months, and then her mom and dad, uh, PCS, which is a move from the military, uh, to Florida. So she left in uh, June of 81. I had to stay in Okinawa. We were long-distance relationship for six more months. We saw each other in December for a couple weeks. Then I had to go back to Okinawa. She went back to college. And then we saw again each other in June of 82 for about a weekend. And then we eventually got married in 1982 and we've been married for happily married for 38 years. Yes. So um, how long after you got married, did you start having children? Okay. We had been married five years when Zach was born and he was born in Flagstaff, Arizona. Rex had just finished his finals that December of that semester. And then Zach was born. So it was very exciting. He was our firstborn. We were excited to be parents and it was a little boy. So he was going to carry on the Jones name. So we were just over the top. Um, You know, we'd been together, like I said, five years. So it was just the perfect timing for him to be born. I remember the day it was a very snowy day. He was born on in December. Uh, It was a whiteout and just bundling him up in the little car seat and bringing him home. And it was Chris, you know, soon it would be Christmas and, uh, we would play the song Little Zachary by John Denver. And, and we just loved, you know, having him and it was exciting. And then we have a beautiful daughter, Tori. And Rex, like he said, was in the military. So after a deployment to Saudi Arabia, he had been gone for a year. And upon his return, I mean, immediately, nine months later, uh, we had a beautiful daughter. So we were like, Lord, thank you. We have a son now. We have a beautiful daughter. And we were just so excited. And um, she is uh, just an amazing young woman. Uh, uh, she's a, now she's a, our daughter, obviously, a wife. She's uh, recently become a mom nearly two years ago. Um, and and But most importantly, I think she was a very amazing sister to her big brother. Mm -hmm. Uh, But oftentimes she had to be the uh, more mature uh, sibling. Yeah. She had to kind of mom him. And a lot of times uh, because Zach was very wild and crazy, uh, a mischievous young man. And so on multiple occasions, she had to really watch over him, which is a great responsibility when you're, well, she was like, almost four and a half years younger than him. But, um, and, and so we obviously love her for many reasons, but that is one of the big ones that she was an amazing sibling to Zach. And um, I know that she had an opportunity to, along with your beautiful daughter, um, 
help with, and Tom, help with the sibling um, group. And that was a wonderful thing for her for a season. Uh, She's no longer doing that. But for that season, I think it was very helpful for her to connect um, with the other siblings that kind of knew what she was going through. So that was a wonderful opportunity for her. And we're very grateful for that. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. What Mary's referring to is our While We're Waiting Support for Bereaved Siblings Facebook page. And um, I can put a link to that group in the show notes that's just for siblings who have lost a sibling. Um, And it's a closed private Facebook group that is moderated or administered by two two people who have lost siblings. And it's it's a great group. So it may be something that parents might want to point their children toward. Yes. Very helpful for her. Yeah. So you said Zach was kind of wild and crazy. Tell us more about him and his personality, the things that he um, enjoyed doing, and, and just help us get to know Zach a little bit. Well, Zach was, if you have more than one kid, you know, they're, they can always be so diametrically different. But Zach was very, very passionate. Uh, if he loved something, he was in it 100%. And he, there were several things he loved. He loved music. He played the guitar. He loved to sing. Um, he loved the outdoors. So kayaking, biking, um, any of those things that were outside, uh, he just loved. Um, he was also, um, he and my daughter both uh, are really good about befriending the underdog. And so many of their friends were people maybe that were kind of on the sidelines, but they were very good about that. And it, you know, that just, you know, warmed our hearts. Uh, Zach also, he loved to climb trees. He loved to snowboard. Um, he also served in the army like his dad. And that was, you know, that just meant a lot to us because Zach was one of those God country kind of people. He loved the Lord. Granted, he was very mischievous and wild, but he was a young person that just kind of, he sowed a lot of wild oats. But the bottom line was that he knew he could not do life without God. So that was a blessing for us. And um, so, like I said, he loved serving his country. So he was in the army and he was deployed to Iraq when he was 19 um, and while there, um, his commander noticed that he had leadership skills. And we had always said that in the past, that he was either going to lead you in a good way or he could possibly lead you in a bad way. But he was very good at leading and taking charge. And so during that deployment, his commander had said, Zach, have you ever thought about West Point? And Zach was like, oh, sir, no, I, I haven't. And he goes, well, I really think you should because you display a lot of um, Um, leadership skills and good qualities of a soldier. So upon his return, he, we, you know, wrote some letters to the governor of Arkansas. And then we thankfully got the letter back that said that he was going to recommend Zach to West Point. So we were very excited about that. Uh, We knew all the doors that could be possibly opened with an education there. Um, But Zach being former and being enlisted was going to have to go to the prep school there at West Point which we thought that's another good thing. Um, so anyway, he had to beef up some math uh, skills and stuff like that. But in, in a year after he'd been there a year, he decided that was really not for him. He hated the mandatory study hours. He didn't want to be an electrical engineer. He just wanted to be back in the army. So his commander there at West Point said, well, I can get you into the 101st Airborne Division. Zach was 
an airborne paratrooper, and he had been with the 82nd Airborne Division. So he had been now with two very elite airborne divisions. So the Army just suited him very well. We were very happy about that. Um, But like many people, sadly, his age and and a lot of young men, um, even those in the military, he struggled. Uh, We didn't know this at the time, but um, in high school, the latter years of high school, he um, experimented with prescription drugs. And so I, I hate to admit that as his mom, I was not fully aware of any of that. He met his curfews. He always acted, you know, like a normal teenage kid around us. He could be very loving, uh, but he could be lazy <laughs> too. But, you know, we didn't realize that. And so sadly, whatever he was going through, we we just kind of were not aware, you know, and I hate as a parent that we did not notice it right away where we could have maybe helped him more. We hear that from parents all the time, that things are going on with their kids that that they just didn't know about. So that's not unusual at all. So in the late summer, kind of early fall of 2009, Zach was living in Nashville, Tennessee, right? Joe, he was actually uh, stationed at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, but he loved Nashville. He would drive an hour over to Nashville. Kind of how this whole thing started was uh, on Mother's Day of 2009, we'd had a rough Mother's Day. He'd come home and it was just an ugly, ugly weekend. And we basically used tough love and said, we don't want you to, to come back home until you can get your life straight and get back right with God. And that was kind of the process of this this prodigal son coming back uh, to his roots the way he was raised. Um, so, like I said, he was at Fort Campbell. He drove an hour uh, to Nashville, actually Brentwood, suburb of Nashville, uh, to attend church there. So his death, we were actually in Atlanta, Georgia. I was still in the Army uh, at a conference down there. We got a call. Uh, very vividly. I mean, it's coming up on a week here Friday, uh, September 11th, uh, 9-11 was a Friday then too. This was in 2009. And there had been a Memorial Day service at Fort Campbell that day he had attended. He also received a phone call that one of his good friends had been killed in Afghanistan. So he had called us that afternoon and asked us to pray for the family uh, probably had a lot on his mind thinking about West Point because his friend had, that was killed had been at West Point. And he was probably thinking, oh, maybe I should stay at West Point. Or, you know, so it was just a bad day all around for him that day. So the best we can tell is that uh, he went to see some friends in Nashville and he had taken a Xanax, uh, filled up his car, went to Sonic, got something to eat. Uh, but probably thinking, hey, you know what? I'll just forget about this day. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. Uh, he was scheduled to go mountain bike riding with a friend from the church uh, that Saturday morning. Sadly, after he'd taken the Xanax, uh, a kid at the party, uh, what we've heard is offered him an Oxycontin. And sadly, he took that. And because of that reaction, uh, he cardiac arrested. And his friends that were at the party did not get him to the hospital in time. So basically he was on life support and that's when we got that call uh, in the middle of the night. 
So we drove from Atlanta to Nashville and, and, and I know this like the back of my hand, but one of the first things that when we got on the interstate that Mary did was she prayed two things that day. And number one, she prayed for our marriage. And then number two, she prayed that uh, Zach would be with Jesus. Uh, so of course we get to Nashville and he's on life support. And, and so basically the, he was gone. So I remember vividly getting on the the floor of that ICU room and praying that because of the way he died, you know, it's got that stigma of drug overdose. And I knew the way he'd been raised and he was saved at a young age and baptized and been in church every time the doors were open. But we prayed, God, all we want is confirmation that he is with you in heaven. And immediately God and this is why I love to talk about it, because I love to talk about how big God is, not how Zach lived so much. And immediately God was overwhelming uh, to us. And the first thing was we found this song on his computer. And it basically from his own words, he made this song up going back to uh, Fort Campbell one day about a week prior. Um, about how he needed to be closer to God, that he's the one I'm dreaming of. He's the one I need. Um, he was in a struggle. Later on, we found his Bible. He had written uh, in Acts and Romans, taking notes, you know, where Paul talks about, I do the things I don't want to do. Uh, so he was drawing close to God, even in that time, that struggle. Uh, next big confirmation was the Igbok story, I-G-B-O-K, which stands for It's Going to Be Okay. And three weeks prior to his death, we were in Nashville at his church. And uh, he had walked out of the church that day and he had that sticker. And I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, dad, they were giving these out. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And he said, well, dad, he goes, here, you keep it. I'll get another one next week. And I said, you sure? He goes, yeah. And to be honest with you, I just stuck it in my Bible. I totally forgot about it. And then, of course, three weeks later, uh, our world was rock. Um, So... After those few days in the hospital, he was an organ donor. Seven people got a new lease on life through the organ donation. But as we were leaving the hospital that day, we didn't have a clue where we were exactly because we got there in the middle of the night and literally spent the four days in the ICU. Um, we topped this hill, and I told Mary we need to stop and get everybody something to eat because we had family and friends with us and gas everybody's car up. And we pulled into this parking lot where this restaurant was. And as I was getting out of the car, the car right beside me had the Igbox sticker on it. And it was like God just slapped me, man, and said, I told you three weeks ago, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So even in the deepest craziness, trouble times, we know that our hope is in Jesus and with Jesus, it is going to be okay. And then, of course, the ultimate one is six weeks after his death, I go to China. I'm sitting literally in this restaurant that holds maybe 12 people, city of 300,000 people have only been there like six hours. This girl happens to walk by outside. My missionary friend sees her, motions her in the cafe. She sits down. He says, hey, this is Amy. She was supposed to fly home yesterday. Flight got delayed. Uh, she's from Nashville. And I was like, Nashville? I said, really? I said, my son loved Nashville. I said, um, he used to go to a church in Brentwood and she said, Brentwood. And she said, what was the name of it? And I lost my mind. I couldn't think of the name. I said, it looked like a barn. 
She said, Fellowship Bible? I said, yeah, that's it. And she just began to weep. And she looked at me and, and held my hand and she said, I met Zach the night before he died. He was at church at the singles group and he was walking around the room talking about how he needed Christian friends. So that just rocked our world totally to be in the middle of China <laughs> and meet this young lady who was with our son the night before he passed talking about spiritual issues. So it's wonderful to have those confirmations from God, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yes. Big time. Yeah. Just shows how much he loves us. God loves us enough to take time to show us even those little things that can assure us about our children. So is there a particular scripture or scriptures that you have clung to that have been helpful to you since Zach went to heaven? So honestly, when I was clinging to scripture, I had to pick easy scripture because I'm not very good at scripture memorization on a good day. So during my grief, early on in my grief, I chose some that I could memorize so that I could say them when Satan was trying to fill my head with bad things. So a couple of mine, obviously, one of my favorites is 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. And buddy, when you're a grieving mom, you got a lot of things going on. I wanted to be a great mom to Tori, despite suffering through the grief of losing my son. So there was a lot of cares that I heaped on him, but he in his loving ways was always there to take care of me. And then I know this is another one that's a very little one, John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. But that whole story of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, God, Jesus wept with them because he loved them. He was compassionate. He knew how the story was going to end, but he, he felt for them. So knowing that just, I knew that he cared for me too, and that he was going to take care of me and he was compassionate through our grief. Um, then there was one other one, a friend shared this with me, but then you also in my hope package, Jill, at that time included the tear, the bottle mm -hmm. and had the scripture about the tears in a bottle. And for me, that's just a reminder that God never forgets our sorrows. If he can count those of us that are criers can count all of our tears. You multiply that times all of the people that have lost a loved one. That That's just overwhelming to me and that he will never forget that. So those are just some, a few of them. Um, I obviously delved into the Bible, but like I said, the scripture memorization is kind of tough for me. So it was just some easy ones that I could count on and, and kind of rebuke Satan sometimes when I needed to do that. Um, so anyway, I, I was just very grateful to have some scripture that I could use. So Jill, for me, uh, obviously Proverbs 3, 5, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Because trust me, when you're in the middle of a tragedy like that, you don't understand it at all. And you're like, why? You know, well, I, I go to church. I do all the right things. Why is this happening? And we forget that the world was broken from Genesis 3. Um Psalms 34, 1, you know, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. It doesn't say sometimes. It doesn't say when everything's going good. It says all times. So we had to, to really reach back and look at and say, okay, we've always loved God. We've always, he's always been sufficient for us. We need to, you know, pull up our big pants, strap on our boots and keep moving forward. 
and be in his word. Uh, the last one, of course, is Psalms 34, 18, which talks about the Lord being near to the brokenhearted. And he saves those crushed in spirit. And that's definitely us as parents who lose children. Absolutely. Those are great scriptures to share. And I like the idea of some simple scriptures that are easy to remember. Jesus wept. We can all remember that one. And uh, it does. It shows how much he loves us, even when he knows the end of the story. The loss of a child changes a parent profoundly um, at a very deep level. How do you feel like Zach's homegoing has changed you? Well, for me, Jill, I thought that I knew God and had a good relationship with him. But honestly, until the point came when you've experienced the unimaginable, because in our case, it was even though Zach was wild and crazy, I still never thought I would lose my 21 year old son. So something so unimaginable happens. And then you, like Rex said, you know, what are we going to do? We'd always said that God was sovereign. We always said we love Jesus. But now we've come to this point. We've got to go one way or the other. So for us, thankfully, we clung to the Lord. And this is hard for me to say. But because of Zach's homegoing, I know my Jesus so much more. Amen. And I don't know that had Zach not gone home to be with Jesus, that I would have the kind of relationship that I now have, because it is at such a deep level. It is like I can't. He's my breath. I couldn't do life without him. So I'm very. It's kind of weird, but I'm very grateful that I have this relationship with him now. I mean, it just took us to a whole nother level in our Christian walk, our personal relationship with Christ. I mean, a whole nother, it gave us a sense of urgency to be bold in our witness, to share the gospel, especially with all the kids that are in the struggle uh, that are into drugs and alcohol and and the parents too. Um, You know, just to be more bold in our witness because as we know, all our days are numbered and we don't know when that time is. So, it's important that we be Jesus to those around us at all times. Absolutely. Well said. Do you feel like there are issues that a parent who loses a child like you did to an accidental drug overdose, are there issues that you have to deal with that that complicate the grief journey? Well, I think for me, Jill, it was, you know, there were some other, you know, there's a lot of different little things that happen when your child dies from an accidental drug overdose or a drug overdose. But for me, I think the worst thing and the most hurtful thing was that people judge sometimes. I'm not saying everyone does, but some people will judge, especially people that didn't know our son might judge. Oh, well, he died of a drug. Well, he must've been horrible. He must've, you know? So I think for me, like I said, that was the most hurtful thing because I wanted to explain Yes, this is the way he died, but he's he was so much more than the way he died. So so that part for me was tough. For me, Jill, and, and, and you and Brad and, and Janice and Larry know this. We've talked about it before. You know, being in the military all those years for me and then him in the military, I honestly, and Mary's not like this, but I honestly wish that he would have died uh, at war, uh, you know, it, to be more honorable you know, it's not so honorable dying of a, of a drug overdose. So that's 
that was kind of the struggle for me. But uh, something I guess that helped me was at his memorial service uh, at the 101st Airborne. And we got to speak. I got to speak in front of like 500 soldiers and, and leaders and all that. And right after that memorial service, the commander, like the two-star general that came through the line, the first guy to come through the line, looked at me in tears rolling down his face and said his own son was in the struggle. And we hugged, and that's just how we were related to each other. So then I knew, like, you know, even though Zach died of a drug overdose, that's why you're here on this earth. You're here to love on people that are going through that same struggle and, and give them hope. That's right. Very good. Thank you. You mentioned when you were driving, um, you know, when you got the call and you all were driving to the hospital to see Zach, uh, Mary, you said you were praying right away for your marriage. And we know that, you know, the loss of a child can sometimes, well, it does cause a strain on marriage. And we talk a lot about at our retreats about how men and women grieve differently. So how have the two of you grieved differently and, and how have you handled that? Well, I know for me, when Zach passed away, I'm a reader, a library coordinator. I love to read. I'm very passionate about reading, learning new things. So even in in the loss of my son, I needed to read. So I remember going to Barnes and Noble, looking around at the grief books, but I really couldn't find many out there that, because I didn't want just, I, I needed to know that these people love Jesus too, and that we were going to share, you know, a bond. So I found a few. I took those home every night. I would go to bed reading God's word and a book because it just helped me go to sleep hearing of these other parents going through what I was going through. So I read voraciously anything I could get my hands on and and God's word most especially. Um, And then, as you know, Rex and I are both extroverts, so I would talk to anybody about my kid. When I was finally able to go back to Walmart, I would talk to the cashier about my son. And then years later, it became a running joke between Rex and Tori. How long will it take mom to tell this total stranger that she has a son in heaven? I've now got it down to seconds. Like I only need a few seconds to share about my son and God. I mean, it doesn't take me long, but um, that's kind of how I grieved at the time. I wanted to talk about him, even though it was something sad and it might make me cry. I couldn't not talk about him. Jill, as far as uh, me, I was just the opposite of Mary as far as the reading. I, I actually didn't read one grief book. Uh, there's a, there's a bookshelf in our den and they're like, I don't know, 30 grief books in there. And I didn't read one. Uh, I did read the Bible, uh, every day, continued to like I do it. And I noticed I wouldn't cry in front of Mary or Tori. I would wait till I was alone by myself, whether it was driving down the road. Uh, I was still in the army. So I traveled a lot by myself and I remember crying a lot. Uh, I would listen to his, his, his own iPod playlist. I'd be on a plane at nighttime and you could see the lightning across the sky. And I'd be thinking of Zach and heaven and Jesus and, and just listening to that music. 
It's been almost 11 years since Zach went to heaven, uh, but think back, if you can, to the early days of your grief, and what advice would you give to a newly bereaved parent? Yes, it has been almost 11 years, which is very hard to believe sometimes. Um, Because Zach was in the Army, sometimes it just feels like maybe he's on a deployment, Uh, and so um, time does pass, but I think what I would share with people, and I learn things every day, but... For your grief not to become an idol, because I know when Zach died, sadly, when he was living, we misprioritized things. Sometimes it was like our kids, then our spouse, then God. And we now teach, you know, that it's God, your spouse and your kids. But I I see people and I think I did it early on is that I made Zach's passing an idol. And that was wrong. And don't let it define. Right. And so thankfully, you know, I I don't remember now if I read something about that or whatever, but that's one of my things because we can just wallow in our grief and we can make that child. We can worship that child. Mm -hmm. And that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to love that child, uh, but he doesn't want it to become an idol, their death to become an idol. So um, I think another thing that I think is always helpful, and this comes in time, is to start serving others. I think when we started doing that, that's when it was really healing for us by helping others. And then I think um, I was so grateful when we met you and Brad at that, uh, I can't remember, the monkey monkey, the blue monkey, and how just instantly we bonded because you got it and we could cry together. We could hug each other. We knew you understood. And so I think don't sit at home and isolate. Text someone that you know has lost a child. Say, can we meet for lunch? Can we meet for Mexican food? We we might not eat a lot because hopefully we're going to talk a lot. But I, I think that was so that was really helpful to us when you we met you too. And I would tell parents that, you know, there will come a day when it's not the very first thing you think about when you get up in the morning and you don't think about it every single hour of the day. Time will pass and there will come a day where you might not think about it the whole day or another few days. You will laugh again. You will even laugh about things your child uh, did uh, when they were on this earth. And you will, uh, you know, Face the day with confidence. Very good. Good advice. You know, people often feel awkward around a parent that has lost a child because they just don't know what to say. So what were some of the maybe unhelpful things that were said to you after Zach died? And then let's follow that up with some that were helpful. Thank the Lord that the least helpful was just small. Good. We had a lot more positives. But I remember Tori coming home from school. She was a senior in high school. And sadly, one of her teachers compared Zach's passing to her dog's passing. So not only was that hurtful to Tori, but I mean, thank goodness the teacher wasn't nearby. (laughs) I didn't want to do bodily harm to her. But like I said, there were many more wonderful, helpful things. And one of the most helpful things was when we came back from Uh, Zach's organs had been harvested and um, he was coming back with a dear friend that was our funeral home director. So we knew he was in good hands, 
But when we got home to our house in, in Arkansas, a dear friend of ours, a pastor's wife, when I would open the kitchen drawer, there would be an index card with scripture. I went into the bathroom on the mirror. She had taped scripture. I would open the closet. There was scripture. I opened up my underwear drawer. There was scripture. And it was like, there was no better thing. She knew God let her know that that's what we were going to need. That's what we were going to cling to. And honestly, till we moved out of that house, those index cards stayed right where they were. So that was so beyond helpful. We have a mutual friend, uh, Jill, that actually told us about while we're waiting. That girl can give the best hugs in the world. So sometimes it's just a hug. It's just embrace us in your arms and let us know you care. You know, and then there were others who who prayed for us, prayer warriors, who when they said that they were going to pray, they did. And we felt those prayers. Um, Then I remember distinctly an older couple in our church who had lost a young son um, in a farming accident. They came to our house, sat beside us. They didn't say a lot, but they were a testimony that Mary, you and Rex are going to survive this with Jesus. We have and it had been many years since their son had yes. passed. But we, I remember, and I still recall in that church choir in Arkansas, you, I would look up at the choir and the people that had been through child loss seemed to be the happiest. They had their arms lifted high. Uh, there's a facilitator that I love that you know, a, a while we wait mom's facilitator. She would be smiling. Uh, another dear woman in our church had lost an infant child. She's beaming. Yes. It's like yeah. the people that know the loss, they also know the joy. And so that was a testimony to us that we won't always be right here, yeah. that God will restore our joy. And he has. Jill, for me, one of the most helpful things was actually at Zach's funeral. And that's when Brother Matt was preaching his funeral. And you could just tell in that room, even though it was a packed crowd, basically you really could tell who were believers and who were not believers. And there was a section of many, many teenagers, people in their 20s. And Brother Matt looked straight at them and was telling, hey, I know what you're thinking. Hey, Zach Drip died of a drug overdose. But the thing he pointed out to them the most was in the whole in the whole congregation, that day was it was not the way that Zach died but the way that Zach lived because his trust was in Jesus. And if he could say anything from heaven today, he would say, don't waste your life and make sure that you have a personal relationship with Christ before you exit this earth. Um, You know, I've been studying in Job lately and just, I didn't realize this, but you know, for Job, you know, Job lost everything. You know, there's always somebody out there that's got it way, way worse um, but there was an ancient Jewish tradition that when someone suffered a loss like ours, that there was seven days of silence, that the mourner, seven days. And so I think for us, too, it's not a matter of people saying something. It's just coming there to be with you, wrap your arm around that person and just keep quiet and let them know that you're in there, you're there for them in support. Uh, so just not saying anything, you know, let their presence be your present. 
And the last one I would say was I had a friend that he's a barbecue professional. He was like, man, I don't know what to do. I want to love all these people. How do I love them? He literally cooked 200 racks of ribs for Zach's funeral. So, Well, a friend had said, Kelly, do what you do best, and that's cook barbecue. And so that's what he did. And that was such a ministry because we didn't have to think about that. It was done for us. And so even those kind of acts of love, just, you know, it, it, like I said, we're just so grateful that there were more helpful things than hurtful things. So. Wow. Those are some great examples too. You know, I, I know this podcast is for bereaved parents, but there are a lot of people who listen, who just listen because they love someone who is a bereaved parent and hearing these things gives them some ideas, uh, some thoughts that they may be able to use in, in ministering to others. So thank you for sharing that. You know, you mentioned that uh, Zach was an organ donor. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, we, I honestly did not know that he was, uh, I think in the, when, when they're deployed, they have to write this letter that if it's a one way trip to the war zone, and I guess he had, we had not seen that letter previous to him dying, but in there, he had said he wanted to be an organ donor. And then when he had gotten his driver's license, you know, uh, he had checked the little block on there that he wanted to be an organ donor. So when we realized that at the hospital, when the organ donor uh, representative came, we were like, well, we're, of course, going to honor his wishes. And if he said that's what he wants to do, then that's what we're going to do. We honored Zach's wishes and seven people received his organs. Now, I know Rex is going to want to comment. We uh, out of the seven uh, to this day, we have only heard from one. But the one that we heard from was the one he was amazing and he was it was such a god thing his name is elliot he had served in the 101st airborne division had retired from the 101st Uh, a wonderful man had then gone on to be a preacher and through through god's handiwork we found out who he was that was a little difficult too so it took a miracle of the lord to bring about that but we met with him and it was just one of the coolest things, Jill, was he was uh, a kidney recipient. And I'll never forget the first time we met. And he literally grabbed my hand, pulled it to his side where his kidney would be and touched. And he said, because of Zach, God has given me more of the opportunity to continue to preach and share the gospel. And that was just like, whoa, even in my child's death, you know, the mission of Jesus continues. Because we always talk about with God, it's not a coincidence. You know, God had that planned that Elliot would receive Zach's 21-year-old kidney. I believe Elliot at the time was 61. He's now lived 11 wonderful years, and we pray he gets many, many more. But he's sharing and testifying about the goodness of God. So that just, you know, we couldn't ask for more. So we're just elated about that. We do hope at one point that God would allow us to maybe hear from one of the other six. But if not, we thank him almost every day for the gift of Elliot and what he is doing for the Lord. Absolutely. And I remember going to Tori's wedding. And, and meeting Elliot there. 
So that yeah. was a very special thing. Oh, it, it certainly was. Certainly was. He's a very special person. Yes. So we did mention grief brain a little bit earlier. That's a common experience among bereaved parents that just that feeling of fog and, and oh, confusion, heaviness, all of those things. Was, was that an issue for either one of you? Well, Jill, I had grief brain before I had grief. Right. You know, so for me, no, it just continued to be. Right. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to tease out what's age, natural aging, and what's actually grief brain. Right. I did have a hard time when I went back to work concentrating. and, And so that part was hard. And then I think we've talked about this at different retreats and things. You know, we then start focusing on heavenly things. So the chatter of people at work about things that weren't heavenly or, you know, I, I just had to shut that stuff out. So it, it, what I did, I did struggle with, with that. And like, I think you said with the family last week, uh, when does, when can we stop saying we're struggling with grief brain for us? It's been almost 11 years, but it does get better. We are, I think now it's just age related. It's not grief related. Right. Absolutely. Well, especially now that you're all retired and everything, you don't have to concentrate and focus anymore, do you? That's a nice benefit of being retired. Yes, it is. It is. So holidays are always tough for bereaved parents, as are birthdays and heaven days. And by the time this podcast airs, you will have marked Zach's 11th heaven day. So have you found any special ways to celebrate his life on those hard days? Um, Yes, we certainly have. Um, There's a myriad of things that we've done. I mean, something as small as just going to Chili's. He loved Chili's. Um, he was a skinny little kid, but he loved eating their chicken uh, crispers. crispers, chicken crispers. So we will go to Chili's on occasion and on his heaven date or birthday, eat chicken crispers. Um, there were a lot of causes that he um, loved and was passionate about. One of those was wounded warriors. So sometimes we will make a donation to wounded warriors in his memory. Um there was one that Tori was very passionate about in our hometown, Concepts of Truth, which is our pro-life group. Um, that one we um, donated to as well in his memory, because as grieving parents, we never want our child's name to be forgotten. So for us, it's kind of selfish. Yes, we give, but then we love having his name out there. And, uh, and like the fire pit, uh, you know, we made a small donation to help with a big ministry, but the fire pit that just warms our heart. And that is something that Zach would have loved. Um, I have to say a funny, uh, one of the things that we did was Zach loved kayaking. So Tori and I had never been in a kayak, but we're like, okay, we're going to do this for Zach. So she and I got in a double kayak. Rex was in Zach's kayak, which was one of those ones that flips, uh, intentionally flips. And Tori and I were in the one that was not supposed to flip. And we're going down, I can't remember, was it the Buffalo River, the Spring River? The Big Piney. The Big Piney. And, you know, we're going down the river. And then all of a sudden, this man overturns in his kayak. And I'm not really, you know, this is my first time. So I was telling Tori, hold on, hold on. Anyway, we overturned 
poor Tori was up under the kayak. So I have to give mention to her for her adventurous spirit in, in memory of her brother to do that because it, we laugh about it now. I think we were crying and screaming at that point. But anyway, um, we um, Rex is going to share about his so, vehicle. Well, we've, we've continued to keep his vehicles as a Toyota 4Runner. Um, and we've used a lot in the last few weeks. We've been camping up in the mountains uh, with the kayak, you know, putting it in the lake and stuff. In the past, we've done several things like balloon releases. Uh, his music playlist, like Chinese lanterns. Um, I do have to interject here. If you're going to do Chinese lanterns, get permission or, you know, just don't go out to the forest and say, oh, I'm going to do some. It it can end up in a bad way. Thankfully, not for us, but I just want to put that out there. When we were in Arkansas, we participated in in the Run for the Fallen. Uh, He's been in the Flag Memorial uh, for those soldiers that have died in Arkansas, uh, around the state there too. But this week is going to be special because he was actually born in Flagstaff, Arizona, which is about two and a half hours North of us, much cooler. It's a 7,000 feet elevation. And uh, actually some of his ashes are spread up there on the mountain in this clump of Aspen trees, which is just absolutely beautiful at the San Francisco peaks. And a friend of mine that we've had for 38 years, uh, up there uh, several years ago after Zach's death. Uh, he has different trees. He has a beautiful log home and they have several trees in the yard. Mm-hmm. And one of the trees, uh, he had he asked Tori if she wanted to name one of those trees after Zach. He had different men that were instrumental in his life that he had named these different trees in, in honor of them. And uh, it's a special tree because unlike all the other trees, this tree was struck down early in life, uh, like most of our children. Uh, it was hit by lightning and its life cut short. So this week I'm going up and he's actually going to take a few of those limbs off that tree. And we're making this beautiful like stone table uh, with the legs on it. So we're, we're excited and looking forward to that to, uh, to honor his memory. Yeah, sounds like a great way to celebrate and honor his life. Yeah. So let me finish with the question that I always ask, and that is, what are some specific ways that you are seeking to live well while you're waiting to see Zach again? Well, like Rex had said earlier, Jill, he talked about the urgency, and that is so what we try to do now. Every encounter we have with a person whether it be the checkout girl at Walmart, whether it be, uh, well, we haven't been to restaurants lately, but uh, maybe the little gal that brings out our to-go order. We try to be very intentional. Like, how can we pray for you? What is your name? And you, it's a small thing, which I can't take credit for. Amy, the young woman in China, is the one that taught it to us. It takes just a second to say, What's your name? Oh, Amy. How can I pray for you, Amy? Is there anything going on? It's just, it just, all of a sudden you can just see their whole demeanor change that you're actually talking to them, looking them in the eyes. So with that urgency of, you know, we don't know when the trumpet's going to sound. So we want to be very intentional in any encounter we have. And Rex is going to share about one of those. 
But um, I remember one thing I want to share. We love and are very passionate about missions, especially foreign missions. So we've been able and we've been blessed to travel all over several continents. But I remember being in Africa and we had actually gone with a group of young college kids and one of the dads of one of the college kids. So we went to this little village. There was a bunch of African young men, maybe 15, 16 years old. And I was like, what am I going to say that's really going to, you know, change their lives for Jesus? And one of the college kids said, Mary, just share what you know best. That's Zach's story. And this young man that went knew Zach. And so I said, okay. So I shared Zach's story, you know, how he had been crazy and wild. He had been saved, but he had kind of sown some wild oats and then how he passed. And the interpreter shared the story and those young people were changed. Now that wasn't me. That was me just being obedient, but God can do crazy things. Even when you, your little mind thinks he can't, he can't. So we're just, I think, intentional as we can be. Well, she forgot to tell you too, in the, in the service, uh, on that same trip in one of the services that our friend, the missionary preached, he talked about us, I think in that time, but right after that service, this young African woman came up and the translator introduced us and she wanted to meet us because she too had lost a child. So we had that connection immediately. And even though we were of different cultures, different languages, we connected just like that uh, because of that. Uh, God is all sufficient. Um, we continue to move forward. It, even here, just in the short time we've been here, uh, just over on the block over as we were walking the dogs one day, this woman and her daughter happened to, and they connected to the dogs. But this is where I believe in the sovereignty of God that he always knows you're never in the wrong place. That that person, that lady said, oh, I love your dogs. Da, da, da. And just immediately was Mary do. She shares about Zach within a minute. And then what does this lady do? She breaks down, starts crying. And she had just lost her son of a drug overdose like a year ago. Uh, well, it's been two years, but she was with her daughter and her daughter, he had died. He had overdosed on her daughter's birthday. Yes. So, As we all know, those dates are hard enough, yeah. but sometimes they're even, even harder for, for that young girl. Every time we want to, you know, her birthday to be celebrated, it's a bit Harder because her brother died that day. So no, the Lord connected. She has said that nothing has helped her more than this ministry. So God continues to put people in our paths every single day. Another one's at a a store that we love going to called Potato Barn. They sell uh, unique furniture or whatever. But Mary again met this lady who works there who lost a child. And it's like, man, you know, all you got to do is open up and God's going to use you. That's right. And, you know, we discover after we've lost a child, how many of us there are out there. (laughs) You know, before Hannah went to heaven, I had no idea how many people had lost children. And and now, you know, God brings them across our path every day. There's a lot of us out there. That's exactly. 
So I want to wrap up our discussion just by mentioning that uh, this spring in March, we are going to be hosting a while we're waiting weekend for bereaved parents at the home of Rex and Mary in the Phoenix area. Um, It will run from a Friday night through a Sunday morning. Our guests will stay at a nearby hotel and all of the sessions will be at their home. Um, And you can go to our website and learn a little bit more about that. All of our retreats are offered at no cost to the parents who attend. Um, My husband and I will be there. Uh, Rex and Mary will be there. Uh, Hopefully our friends Larry and Janice Brown will be there as well. And it will be just a weekend where we can um, just sit and share our kids' stories and encourage one another, pray for each other, support each other, and, and become friends. There's something about bereaved parents. When we get together, there's a bond that forms that is strong and instantaneous and lasting. And uh, so we hope that um, after you listen to this podcast, you'll look at our show notes and you can see the page that will link directly to the um, information on our website about this retreat coming up next March. So we're excited about that. And we're so pleased that you, Rex and Mary, are part of our While We're Waiting family. Um, We wish, you know, there was some other reason that we had gotten to know each other, but we're so glad that God brought us together. And Jill, we feel that same way. And like, I, I just can't say enough about the ministry um, and how God has used it because I was, we were talking as we prepared for the interview, you and Larry and Janice and Brad sat down. I can't remember now months after the losses of your children to, to want to do this ministry. And, and then talk about grief brain, how God has taken your desire and your obedience and how he has exponentially blessed so many. I mean, it's just, I'm in awe of it. And it really, I, I know we're not supposed to be bragging. <laughs> we're supposed to brag about Jesus. But Jesus, through this ministry, has just... It was the catalyst to our healing, our catalyst to doing what God wanted us to do, which is while we're waiting to live well. I still have not learned the whole armor of God thing because of my memory. But, you know, that I mean, it's just it's just an amazing ministry. And God uses it so mildly to help people, because like that young mom said to me. There's been nothing. She's been to counseling. She's done all these things and and nothing has helped her more than her relationship with Jesus and then this ministry. So we thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are no words to tell you how much gratitude we have for all that you all do. Well, thank you so much for your kind words. That's that's an encouragement to us. Um, we always say, you know, this ministry is not our ministry. This is God's ministry. Um, he is growing it as he sees fit. And sometimes we just feel like we're holding on with our fingernails and trusting him to uh, point us in the right direction. So thank you for that. It's good to hear. Very welcome. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah. Thank you all for joining me today. Thank you, Jill. Have a great day. All right. We love you guys. Love you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. 
please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and, and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.